0: Say that uh, I have been enjoying the, you know, this is a, a bit more ritual than we have in our Methodist tradition. <laughs> so I try to just follow everything along. I'm like, all right, stand up, sit down, do this, do that. I'm like, all right, got it, good. That's the benefit of working at a Catholic school, though. Like, I have participated in something similar to this. Uh, so yesterday during the lecture, uh, I shared a story of how I became interested in food justice and ecological work, and how I began to see um, food as a theological problem. And I shared a story about uh, growing up in Michigan with a grandfather who is a sharecropper, migrant farmer uh, in Mississippi, and going back and forth, traveling um, down there to Mississippi from Michigan during the summers, and having him share stories about working on plantations Um, and learning about his experience in that particular kind of life. Um, And that's paralleled with an experience I had many years later in graduate school, driving to San Francisco from Los Angeles and seeing the kind of working conditions that migrant farm workers were experiencing, seeing the ways in which their exploitation was parallel to the kind of exploitation that my grandfather experienced in the 1940s and 50s. I think the reason why these stories of food injustice impacted me so much was that the stories made it personal. I had seen things that we collectively are not meant to see. I had seen some of the fragments of the truth of our food system, and I couldn't unsee it. I was forever changed. You see, the, the frame with which I would view food, the frame that I would view food workers, and animals shifted. Sociologists refer to frames as a set of beliefs or ideas about what we see, about what we choose not to see, and our emotional responses that help us interpret the world around us. Seeing is indeed a choice. In this sense, I was drawn to the gospel reading as I prepared this sermon because in the behavior of the two disciples, I could empathize with the struggle that they were going through because the frame of reference for how they were interpreting the world had just been shook up by the death of Jesus. You see, I'm sure they kind of themselves among the Jewish community who believed that Jesus had come in to usher a political revolution. I'm sure many of them had lived through their entire lives under Roman colonial occupation. We must remember these were colonized individuals without political or social power and so in the midst of being around someone like Jesus who is performing miracles who is healing people who is bringing food to them to those who are hungry who is healing those who are injured they are seeing something change something shift in their community and they are excited that perhaps Perhaps all the suffering we have been through, perhaps everything that has happened to our community the the past few years is about to change. But they had mistaken what the kind of revolution Jesus had planned on bringing, you see, because he was not ushering a political revolution, but a revolution of values, a revolution centered on love, one that would be sustainable and up-end Politics as they understood it But they didn't have the frame of reference to view his death in this way just yet In this sense, Jesus' death weighed heavily on their minds It filled their thoughts and it was the subject of their conversation on the road to Emmaus And as they discussed their tragic sense of loss The person whom they are grieving over happens to appear before them unbeknownst to them You see, but they are so stuck in their grief. They are so stuck in the way that they want to see the world. They are unable to see what or who is right in front of them. What prevents us from seeing the truth of what is right in front of us? What prevents us from seeing the truth of what's happening all around us? To be sure, with respect to our food system, there are market forces at play. There are wealthy corporations and government officials who are invested in preventing us from understanding exactly how our food system works. But at the same time, if we are honest with ourselves, many of us are making the often unconscious choice to not ask too many questions about how food arrives on our plates or in our bowls. The busyness of everyday life can take over, and we think we have more important things to do, more important concerns to tend to. And I believe what often prevents us from seeing the truth of what is happening is that many of us, like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, are already carrying too much grief about so many other tragedies in the world. We are carrying these burdens. We are aware of the suffering that we experience through gun violence in our country. We are aware of our children suffering as a consequence of the pandemic. We are dealing with personal suffering that many others may not know about. Our families may be changing and shifting in ways that are difficult for us. Perhaps our communities are suffering in ways that we perhaps haven't shared with anyone else. And and we are overwhelmed because we are trying to carry these burdens ourselves. But the truth that we discover in this story is that there is another way. We do not have to carry our burdens on our own. And in fact, there is a divine source of solidarity that may be with us even if we are unaware. So you see, church, this is the first place that I find hope in this passage. Even in the moments when we are trying to impress our frame of reference onto the world, if we are open to the movements of God, we can find ways to participate in the work of God, even if it is unknown to us at the moment, like those disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as the group of them reach their destination with Jesus, the text tells us that Jesus walked ahead of them as if he was going to go on. Contextually, it's important for us to know that this action of walking ahead of his friends, this was part of the social customs of the ancient Near East. The action of walking ahead implies that Jesus was really not going, necessarily to go further than them, but that he would not impose upon the disciples to offer them hospitality. In ancient Near Eastern customs, the guest was obligated to turn down such an invitation until it was vigorously repeated. So this is why they urge him strongly To stay with them, to to eat with them. Theologically, Jesus is demonstrating that the gospel should never be forced upon others. Faith, the commitment to follow the religion of Jesus, must always be a voluntary response to God's grace. Something within you must be stirred up, moved to accept the invitation to walk the spiritual path of radical compassion that we call Christianity. So as Jesus accepts the invitation of the disciples and they begin to bake bread, something happens. Something changes the frame of reference that the disciples once had, the way in which they were interpreting the events of the past three years. the, The way they were interpreting the events of the past three days, their interpretations began to shift. In the breaking of bread, they saw him for who he was. There was something about breaking bread Something about eating together, something about this act enabled them to see Jesus in the flesh. You see, eating with someone creates a possibility for openness and conversation that is difficult to replicate in almost any other part of our lives. Sharing a meal is personal. What we eat says something about who we are. What we eat says something about who our people are. And what we eat and our food choices tell a story. And when we break bread with people who may be strangers, people whom we are just getting to know, people who may think differently or people who may live differently. When we break bread with people who look differently or people who love differently, when we break bread with these people, we have the opportunity to learn something about their story. And they have the opportunity to learn something about our story. At its best, those meals are an opportunity for our own frames of reference to be challenged. Through the sacred act of eating, things that we had previously been unaware of can be made evident to us in a new and exciting way. So, for instance, perhaps you share a meal with a Jewish friend who tells you they practice kashrut and that they only eat meat that has been ritually slaughtered, and perhaps they had to participate in this ritual slaughter, and in doing so, radically change the way they think about the nature of the suffering of animals. And this has pushed them to question so many things about the distinctions between humans and non-human nature. Or perhaps you share a meal with a black person who is vegan, and they explain that they don't eat animals because of the abuse that takes place in factory farms, not only to the animals, but those workers who are disproportionately black, the mental anguish that they deal with the fact that they live near those places and suffer from environmental degradation or maybe you are sharing a meal with a female farmer and you learn that 60% of the world's farmers are women and that the distribution of financial resources that go to help farmers disproportionately goes to men or or maybe you meet a white man from Iowa Whose family has been farming on the land for almost 100 years, and you learn that he inherited the land from his father because his father committed suicide. And in that moment, you learn that farmers have the highest suicide rate of any profession in the United States. You see, being at the table opens us up to eating, to seeing the world anew. Breaking bread with one another and taking the other story seriously can open us up, can push us to change the frame that we had been using to interpret the world around us. You see, once we have seen, we cannot unsee. Once we have been made aware of something, we are transformed. This is the experience of the disciples when they recognize Jesus. Their hearts are strangely warmed and they are transformed. This is the hope that we find in the empty tomb, my friends. This is the hope that we find in the resurrection of Christ. The encounters that we have with the sacred, the encounters that we have with the sacred within each other transforms us. It is these encounters, often over meals, that inspire us. And while we may not know exactly how our lives will, be, will change when we break bread with someone, we do know that our lives will never be the same. We are changed because of the frame that we once saw the world through has been changed. And so the questions I leave you with are this What or who do you need to break bread with? And what story do you want your food choices to tell?